Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, June 30th, 2015. So happy to be with you today on a some, some summer day. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California, and I am joined by my sister, Julie Dolan, who is coming to us live from Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Hi, Jewel. Yes, Leanne, that's right. It's summertime. I'm in Colorado. Very happy to be here. I'm going to tell you a, a little bit about what's going on. It's a special summer here. The first of many, I hope. Oh, okay. excellent. Good. Okay. okay. And we have a full show for a Tuesday show. Uh, Julie has a whole block of summertime stories. So get ready for that. Get your lemonade out. Um, mm-hmm. I have some sporting notes from all over. We're going to talk about some of the big sporting events going on. Uh, an unbelievable story. <laughs> That could only happen in L.A., Julie. There is a group of nuns from the Immaculate Heart Convent that are trying to sell their beautiful $15 million convent. And they want to sell it to one person, and the diocese wants to sell it to Katy Perry. So, <laughs> What? Yes. What? Awesome. Oh, it's just, um, uh, just, just wait to hear this story. It's a classic it's a classic awesome nun story, which I just don't think we get enough of those. So we have that. And then, of course, we are excited to do our recap of the new PBS Masterpiece series, Dark. We are calling our recap thanks to Satellite Sister Valerie, who suggested this unbelievable name, Dark and Handsome. Oh! It's the best name. Such a it good is, name. It is, Leanne. It makes me, it makes me smile just to, just to say it. I was like, oh, good. We got to do pole dark and handsome today. <laughs> and let's face it. He is. So, whoo, we are yes, going to get to not if you're not watching, it's not too late. You can start watching Pole Dark on PBS. Uh, you don't even need a TV. If you have a computer, you can watch the show. So, yeah. Uh, so everybody needs to jump in on this one. Yeah. yeah. My DVR did not record the right episode on Sunday night. So I panicked and then I just went over to, you know, PBS.com or .org or whatever it is. And there it was, full episodes. So I love how you say, Leanne, your DVR did not record the right episode. There was no operator error in No. no I actually am good at this stuff. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> Remember? I'm not a boomer. I'm... I'm good. No, it was listed as episode two, and but it was episode one. So there was a there was a technical difficulty that was not mine, Julie. I'm I'm very solid in DVRing. I'm okay. kind of our DVR expert here at the house, actually. So um, okay, but we are going to get to Paul Dark and Handsome at the end of the show. But first, Julie, what's happening in Colorado? Well, uh, Leon, uh, yesterday was opening day of Nana Camp 2015. That's right. Nana Camp is now open. Uh, it's, we're open for business. Uh, it's going to be a month-long camp. Um, and I have two campers uh, that enrolled this year. That would be my 8-year-old granddaughter, Alice, and my uh, 6-year-old grandson, Benjamin. Uh, and they are out here with me uh, uh, for, for the month. Uh, their parents are going to be arriving uh, later in, uh, at the end of the month. But Nana, Nana's running a camp for the full summer. Now, 
Which Julie, will... that is so lovely of you. I mean, well, that is really nice because you, you know, as a someone who you know was a working mom when my kids are little, having that option to get the kids like to the fresh air in the mountains with Nana—that's unbelievable. That's just very nice of you. Well, you know, Leanne, I feel like it is there is a window of opportunity for this that. That um, Alice and Benjamin, when they're snarly teenagers, are probably not going to want to spend the summer with me. Right. But right now, they think I'm great. Yeah. So, and I think they're great. So, it's, so that part of it is really, really exciting. But, you know, their parents are working parents. Uh, so this is, you know, this is really nice for them to, you know, for that the kids have something really fun to do. Dallas is stinking hot in the summer. Right, I know. So, uh, so that's it. There's also a cultural part of this too, Leanne, that, as you know, uh, my daughter-in-law Vera is Russian, and it is very common in uh, Russia that during the summer months, you know, cause when people, let's say if you live in Moscow, uh, that many children spend their summers out uh, in the countryside with grandparents at the little dachas, the little uh, cottages. Uh, so, uh, so Vera was totally comfortable with the idea that Alice and Benjamin would be spending time away uh, with their grandparents. So, um, you know, because that's how they do it in Russia. And that's how when she grew up, she spent the summer you know, with her grandparents because her parents were working. Oh, so, okay. All right. Okay, so a little cultural thing there. Sure. So um, I, my camp is not a theme camp, Leanne. It's not a computer <laughs> camp. It's not a weight camp. We're going to be offering a wide variety of activities. So there's going to be hiking. There's going to be fishing. There's going to be swimming. There's going to be uh, – we're going to do some bicycle bicycle riding. Um, but uh, on our way up to – we drove to Colorado. On our way up, we, we use, as you go up um, – Highway 70, you see zip lining along the oh, highway. Oh, gosh. And they all said, uh, both Alice and Benjamin were like, oh, can we do zip lining? Can we do that? There's no zip lining at Nanaka. No. I, I, no. I, no. No. You know, I just, I'm not, no. I'm not getting into it. If no. their parents want to do that with them, but it's just, I, I really, I'm actually struck with a huge, what a huge responsibility <laughs> it is yes. to like, you know, yeah. you and I both went to summer camp, right. and we have very fond memories of summer camp. But my gosh, how do you run a summer I camp know. with all those kids, right? I know. And they're I mean, doing sort of inherently dangerous things, right? You know, I mean, oh, they're out in the wild, or they're swimming in lakes, or you know, they're water skiing when they've never water skied before. You know, there's a lot of unsupervised time at summer camp, even though there's good supervision, but that's sort of the best part. You know, yeah. when I think about like my summer camp, it was on the lakes, as many are on the shores of a lake. Like what was stopping us from swimming at night or drowning in that I lake? Know. Nothing. I, that's right. We were like sleeping in cabins. Why, yeah. you know, how did that work? You know, they were like, <laughs> we were young kids. Why didn't we like run away? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> There were, there were no locks on those doors. There I mean, I know bow you and arrows. Yeah. in there, but yes, I, I was just, I was thinking about it this morning, like how that was, I just don't even understand how they operate summer camps, you know, because it's so. It's just a liability. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have any waivers. I didn't get any waivers signed. But we're going to stay away from zip lining. And another big thing here in Steamboat Springs, of course, is hot air ballooning. We're not doing that either. That's out okay. at okay. Nana Camp. Okay? okay. All right. They're going to have to go to some other camp or do, but not on my time. Right. Okay. 
I'm not right. going up in one of those. <laughs> but I am looking forward to it. Um, you know, if it's successful in future summers, I hope to have other campers, mainly other <laughs> other grandchildren. Uh, they're they're invited to this. Uh, but day one is, you know, I mean, it worked. day one went very well. Uh, Are you instituting well. a rest hour? I would yes. suggest oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have rest hour, Lynn. You definitely need a break. Yeah. For, uh, so everybody needs a break, but I am, you know, I, we're not going to have a, we're going to be as pretty unplugged this summer, Lee, and not a lot of uh, TV, not a lot of games or anything, you know, we're, you know, we're just, it's going to be kind of old fashioned, We've got checkers nice. out, we got puzzles nice. going. Yeah. That's where, that's what we're going to try, try to do. So excellent. Oh, well, just, Nana camp sounds good. Maybe are you okay. running an adult camp later on? This well, summer? I could, if it's successful, <laughs> But I'm sure those adults will make me sign waivers and want to do zip lining and hot air ballooning, which I will have none of. So anyway, but it is summer. I am happy to be here. You know, I'm feeling it, Leanne. And I, I think, you know, what put me in the mood is on our Facebook uh, group uh, page, you posted your uh, your award-winning 4th of July um, ice cream watermelon melon recipe. Thank you, know, you as, Yes. And I, I was thinking, okay, that could be an activity for summer camp because, you know, I'm a little weak in the arts and crafts area, but I'm <laughs> yes, right. Let's right. just face it. Yeah. Right now I just gave them some chalk and they're out like in the driveway uh, doing something. Okay. That's <laughs> so that's the crafting project for the moment. So. You know, right. I'm weak on that, but I'm strong in the kitchen, Leanne. I'm strong in the kitchen, so I thought we might be able to make that. But right. in some time, I'm excited about it. And so, you know, in the, in the spirit of Leanne Dolan, what does Leanne do in the summertime? She always buys summertime magazines, so yeah. that's what I did. I, I bought for, for the head counselor. I thought during my rest hour, I needed some uh, magazines. And I came across an article, Leanne, in that health magazine. Don't you always I read love that? health magazine. Okay. It seems to be mainly a food magazine, Leanne. Is, is that right? Yeah. Do I have that right? I mean, okay. it, it has departments. There is a, a surprising amount of food, though. Healthy food, but yes, Healthy there's food. a lot of food. Okay. But I just love this article, Leanne, because this is, are you feeling, are you feeling good about your body? Not good about your body? Guess what? You have something else you can blame it on. Okay. I love this. It is, <laughs> if you feel sluggish, bloated, irritated, guess what? It's not your fault, Leanne. It's not what you ate, or it's not the fact that you didn't exercise. It's just the weather. Okay. Oh, How about that? That is good. <laughs> Think about that, Leanne. Yeah. You know, when it's hot out, that your body's built-in AC has one major problem, keeping your insides from overheating. So when it's hot, your blood vessels expand, and that shuttles more hot blood uh, to your face. Okay. And this creates problems with your pores and uh, forces you to like sweat more. So, so that humidity can really hinder your skin condition. Also, they, you know, when it's really hot out, Leanne, yeah. bad news for your hands and feet. You know, oh, that I have definitely. For Do sure. you have this? Cause tur- during the heat, when it's a total sweat fest, water, yeah, this sounds disgusting. It yeah. can leak from your veins, Leanne, <laughs> oh, causing your extremities to balloon. Do you have any ballooning extremities? No, this and please I know do been... not say the word sebaceous cysts after this because no, we no, had no. to hear all about I, that. I, so I cannot go there, but you might have <laughs> ballooning extremi- extremities. So you better watch out for that. Okay. Well, don't you it, notice that when you try to put your shoes on? 
Like yes. at the end in the hot day, you're like, why these shoes do not fit. Okay. I will wear yes. other shoes. Yep. But it also, the heat can affect your kidneys and your gut. I didn't realize this. My that be, Again, because these blood vessels <laughs> around your kidneys contract, huh. squelching your urge to, you know, to relieve yourself. So, so again, you're overstressing your organs. Okay. So that's making you feel bad. Okay. Okay. And then you can't, and your digestion, your body is shutting down. It cannot digest food. So really? You're right. Yeah. Because of the heat. See, it's not you, Leanne. It's the weather. But here's the one I think, which uh, when I got to the end of this article, like if you're blaming all your body problems on your, on the weather. Okay. Yeah. I think you got a problem there. And they said, it's because of your brain that if you lose just 2% of your body weight through sweat, this can mess with your mind and your mood. Leanne. And that's well, just that's a lot of sweat. I mean, I have to say. Two percent, yes, of okay. your body. Yeah, I mean, I don't but do the math. But, out, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just all I'm saying is I don't know. I think a 17 year old wrote this article. For, I don't know. It's Jessica uh, is the is the author. Jessica. Oh, Jess. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe I Jess. I don't know. I think she just made this up because she was feeling a little bloated and sluggish and irritated. And so she wanted to blame it on something, and she blamed it on the weather. It does. So. It sounds vaguely so, unscientific. Anyway, but if you if you need something, if you're looking mm-hmm. for some kind of somewhere else to put the blame away from you, just blame it on the weather. Okay, so, we'll do because yeah. it is hot. It's going to be 101 here today. It's slightly humid. It's it's hot and sticky here. So yeah, you and I def- was def- feeling def- bad. So now I feel better that I feel bad. Yeah. Okay. Just watch out for your brain, okay? your hands and your feet. Hey, I did see something in Real Simple Magazine, which, uh, you know, this is the time of year when people are taking vacations, taking vacations with their families. And this was an article about five keys to a peaceful family vacation. How about that? All right. I'll take it. Okay. What first are thing, they? Leanne, first thing is we all have to make sacrifices. You're going on vacation with other people. Okay. Some people would like to sit on the beach. Some people want to go to a mountain. Okay. You're, you're not going to please everyone. So people just have to make sacrifices and then you have to zip it. Leanne. You have to. <laughs> well, that sounds just like a longer, super vacation. Okay? Okay. See, but that's what you, but you can, you can learn. Maybe, maybe if you make that slight adjustment about where you want to go, it's going to be more peaceful. If the object is to spend time with your family, Leanne, this is what you want to do. I would just like to say the mountains and the beach are completely different. (laughs) Someone who has made that, uh, I I don't want to use the word sacrifice, but often forced with that choice, uh, and the mountains win, I like the beach. <laughs> okay, Leanne, here's the second way that you can have a more peaceful vacation with your friend. Eat in with your family. Eat in, Leanne. Okay, is that restaurants are stressful. Yeah. You can have, yeah, I mean, let's just face it. You know, big family, small family, you try to go out uh to a restaurant. If you have kids, it's going to be stressful. So if at least uh, if you eat in you know, you're, you're taking away that, you don't, you know, it's not going to be as costly. Hopefully it's, you know, you're, if the kids are running around, nobody cares. If you have picky eaters in your family and there's a lot of picky eaters now, right, Leanne? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So eat in for that. 
Number three, Leon, you got to know your limits that you have to, that your vacation, your family vacation is going to be the speed, you know, the pace of it is going to be set by the person who is the slowest, the slowest common denominator. So if you have a toddler in a group that, you know, takes a long time to, you know, has naps, has to, has to eat, eat multiple meals, or if you're traveling with elderly people, you're not going to be able to do 14 things in a day, you know? And so, or if you just have someone in your family who's slow, okay, you need to know, right? This sounds like a terrible vacation. Can I say like, you're at the place where you don't want to be, you're cooking and cleaning up all the meals and you're moving at the speed of a toddler. Wow. Okay. What, okay. What else do I have to compromise to be with the people I love? Leon, okay, now this is the key, number four, to a very successful family vacation, one that I know the Dolan family has used on many occasions, which is to escape from each other. That on, right? Yeah. On all family vacations, people who don't normally spend 24 hours a day with each other really shouldn't be spending 24 hours a day with each other. You need time alone, time by yourself to do separate things and then come back together, okay? And I think this is good for, for all ages, you know, for grandparents, parents, teenagers, toddlers. Everybody needs time away, okay? okay. You, you, can buy, you can buy into this vacation. Yes. Finally, this is, a, this is a more subtle point, but one to keep in mind that plan for late afternoon crankiness. That apparently oh, that, you, I'm from everyone. Cranky. From everyone. from everyone gets, gets you've had a day at the beach, you come back, there's the, you know, a couple of hours there, but it's time for dinner. This is when people get irritable, Land. This is when things can happen. This is when, you know, you, you know, you, you can re- say something you're going to regret later on uh, and it, it impacts all ages. So again, this is the time for, for, for like some activities, quiet activities, small group activities, not some big giant activity altogether, or maybe a cocktail. I don't know, Leon. <laughs> That might help the uh, the late afternoon crankiness, but but I think these are things you could keep in mind because we all want to we all want to get along, Leanne. Okay, right? We want to yes. have a successful yes. family yes. vacation. But certainly, the idea of doing everything all together all day long—you're right. That's not a, a successful plan. So, yeah. making yeah. some accommodations, Julie, I can get on board with that. Okay, so just. How many accommodations are you able to make before you get resentful, Leon? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Something to keep in mind, which is how I can segue to another story, not necessarily related to summer, but certainly related to family dynamics. There is a new study that came out on Monday published by the Journal of American Medical Journal of Pediatrics on, on sibling violence. This is that... That's the term, sibling yes, violence? Yes, sibling violence, okay. okay? That, I mean, getting punched by your brother or sister yeah. sometimes is, I, I mean, that's sort of a, a, a slightly painful rite of passage. But for many children in the U.S., it is now, you know, the, these kinds of, the, the, the journal is calling these assaults. And that they are saying for all ages grouped together, 37% of all children experience some kind of physical assault 
in the previous year by their sibling. And they conducted a pretty big survey in the 2013-2014 year where they did phone interviews with 4,000 randomly selected kids, okay? Okay. And 37% said that they had been assaulted, okay? And uh, and 41% of the kids surveyed said they, they had more than one direct experience with with violence or, or, or assault. Uh, so that this is pretty common that kids these days are really, are facing, you know, a, maybe greater mistreatment w- within their own families. Do you, you think know, that's I, true? I don't know, Leanne. I saw this survey. I think it's the first of its kind. They said that, you know, the results show that, you know, children under the age of 18 are experienced, are exposed to a lot of violence they, you know, this, the study said, you know, this needs to be really monitored much more closely. And it may be that, you know, this is sort of the first of its kind in terms of really looking, you know, a sort of a snapshot of what's going on, you know, in terms of interaction with siblings or how much of it is coming from siblings. Cause I don't know. And because uh, we, we have siblings in our family yes. and there was violence in our family. Yeah. I mean, I think it's how you define violence. And, yes. you know, I've certainly had conversations with my husband, like, why does the older son always do that to the younger son? He should stop it. And it, it you know, Colin may characterize it as violence, but the older siblings would go, oh, no, it's just normal behavior. But, yeah, I mean, our brothers used to beat the stuffing out of us. I mean, yes. Brendan I... used to literally beat the stuffing out of me with the pillow. <laughs> He would, we would, he would set up a boxing ring and he would just beat me with that pillow as hard as he could. And he was three years older than me and had, you know, 50 pounds on me. Brandon was a big kid growing up. Yes. And yeah, yes. that, and I just kept get going back in the ring as I was going to get him one day. And I was like, is that violence? Is that what they mean? I don't, I don't know, Leah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I haven't, I haven't seen the questions. I'm yeah. going to look into it a little more, yeah. but it's just, uh, you know, and this is, you know, but it, I don't, I don't know if what was going on in that homemade boxing ring between you and Brendan is considered an assault. Right. You know, yeah. Was, I don't know. Was your brother assaulting you or was your brother just beating the, the stuffing, stuffing out of me with the pillow. I don't know, Leanne. Those... And it's, you know, and certainly, you know, but I think, I think all parents have to be cognizant of it or, you know, if violence is not only coming from the siblings, is it coming from peers? Are, are you, know, you know, kids more likely to punch each other these days, to shove each other, to pull hair? I don't, I don't know. There is no I, doubt. I have two boys. They, they beat, they, they are violent. They, they beat each other up. I mean, I yeah. say that gently, like obviously they're not getting in fist fights, but there's towel snapping, there's shoving, there's yeah. like wrestling. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a much more physical relationship than say you and I have. Right. <laughs> you know well, I mean? Let's just say, but I mean, we had some violence among sisters too. Of course there yeah, was. There I was, did not. I was not part not, of that. Man, we, we, you were the youngest. We tried to keep you out of the yeah. fray, you know, keep, you know, cause you really paid no attention to me. It's really, I, I it's really, not, it wasn't I didn't really care at yeah. all what you were doing. Yeah. So uh, I had my own battles to fight. That was with my two older brothers. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was, I was the tip of the spear, Leanne. I was leading the female contingent, uh, 
Liz and I, Sheila and Monica were not much help in, in that, in that, on that front. They were fighting their own battles, literally, you know? <laughs> so I'm going to look into this yeah. survey to find out like what they characterized as an assault, right. what they're calling violence and how much, but I mean, when I think about it, yes, there were some things, things were thrown, fists, chairs, yeah. clogs, you name it, uh, some rocks, but we've grown up as adults and we, we have a great deal of respect and love for each other now. So I, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I see it as sort of a rite of passage rather than something that marred my childhood. Well, it, it did mar my childhood. <laughs> That's the thing, right? I mean, it was, I mean, you remember it. It was painful. Yes, I do remember it. It didn't, you. It has shaped, it has shaped the person (laughs) I have become. And it's just, yeah. Oh, I guess. (laughs) I'm going to look into this, Leanne. But, but I I just, I mean, I would never, but I, do I feel like it needs to be a crime statistic? What was going on inside family? No, that, I guess that, that's, that's where I draw the line. Right. Okay. So, (laughs) and it wasn't as if our parents condoned this kind of violence. You know, they asked us to get along. We just didn't. Right. Right. I mean, right. They did not turn a blind eye, but they, they really didn't turn any eye. They were not watching over (laughs) us with the same vigilance that parents do today. Some parents do today. So, um, you know, I did shoot that arrow at Brendan. I (laughs) And that yes, you did because he had just. I had so just that had that's it. a whole that's a felony, Liam. <laughs> we sold. That, it's a weapon. You used an assault yeah. with a deadly weapon. Yeah, so we sold, you're, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you were in a different category. I know, but, that's, but it was I, after I mean, years of brutality. That's what I mean. Like I finally we sold burpee seeds, and I got that bow and arrow, and then I had an opportunity, and I just shot it at him, and he escaped the arrow. I didn't hit him. Let it be said. Is that what you told the judge? Is that what you're going to tell him? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Look into that. All right. On, a, on another sort of serious family story, um, there was a documentary on CNN this weekend about Glenn Campbell and his um, fight with Alzheimer's. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Julie. Did you? I did. I wasn't able to see it, Leanne. I am hoping to, I'm hoping to see it, though, because, uh, I mean, I... I think it's a been a very it's it's on my radar screen. It's a very interesting story. It's obviously close to our heart because our father um, had Alzheimer's, and uh, and you know I just I know that he's been using music as a way to stay connected. I mean, and I and it's that's been very moving to me to watch that uh, moving. And painful to, uh, right. to see. Yeah. I know. I, t- I have, again, I've, I do have the documentary on my DVR, but I haven't watched it yet, partly because we did live through our dad going through Alzheimer's. And I just I just didn't know if I could handle the documentary. And so there's a follow-up story today in the newspaper that um, since the documentary has been shot, which was over the course of 2012 and 2013, as we know happens with Alzheimer's, his condition has deteriorated as such, where his wife has now put her husband in a home in Nashville, Tennessee, and that has created some family tension. And now here's the situation. It's a very tense situation being anyone's caregiver. Uh, you have to get everyone in your family on the same page. That just helps take a lot of the stress, out, some of the stress out of it. But Glenn Campbell has been married four times and has five sons and four daughters. Oh, so that's a lot of people to get on the same page in terms of end of life care. Uh, that is, that's an unwinnable challenge, I think. But his daughter, Debbie, who's 53, is complaining that the stepmother, 
or Glenn Campbell's wife, whose uh, name is Kim, and she's in her 50s, has put him in this home and that he's home alone. And, and you know, he's he went from this big mansion to a small bedroom and a sofa and how terrible that is. And she feels like he should come to her house so she can care for him. And, you know, it's one of those things. Alzheimer's is terrible. It's hard yeah. to describe what the care is like in the last phases of their life. It's beyond 24 hours. And it gets to a place where there's a real safety issue for everyone yes. involved. Yeah. So mm-hmm. while I understand it's easy to say, oh, he shouldn't be in a home, come live with me. I also think as someone who's lived through it, like, no, you're not going to want him living with you at the end of his life, or you would need full-time help to help you care for him. And I, I'm pretty sure that Glenn Campbell's wife has kind of looked around and said, this is actually our best solution, because the truth of the matter is they don't know that they're living in one room with one chair. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. They need to be safe. They need 24 hours of, of care. Uh, she's making the point that he has friends in Nashville. They come by. She's there every day. They have t- activities and therapy. And Julie, you saw that. We did put our dad in a, a care facility at the end of his life because it, it just it would have been impossible to try to imagine giving him that same level of attention at home, right? No, that's absolutely true. And I, and I think that, I mean, your, your operating assumption should not be that the care is substandard in, uh, in, these, uh, in nursing homes and, and, and facilities. And I, you know, you and I, our family witnessed, you know, the very good professional care that my dad got, our dad got at the end of his life. And right. that, you know, we were there and, and even with that professional care, we, because, because of the nature of the disease, you know, and it's different for every single patient, right. that's the things that's so, so incredible about Alzheimer's that, and the course of the disease, you don't know, it's so unpredictable that, you know, that we had, you know, we had care upon care upon care. We had a lot of people just to try to keep my da- our dad safe, right? Just yeah, to- and th- one of the things is just because they're in a home doesn't mean you're like, oh, good, it's all over for me now. No, that's, I mean- not, that's, I think, a real misperception when anyone goes into a care facility uh, with anything, really, is that, oh, good, I can just, you know, sit home and eat bonbons. No, I mean, you're still actively involved. Yeah. Every I'm day, so- a lot of phone calls, a lot of decisions to be made. It's not a, the, I think the idea that you sort of dump someone in a home is not true. I mean, maybe that happens with some people, but you can have a completely different experience with a nursing care facility where you can be actively involved. You're just, you just at least get some break where you can go home and sleep in safety for both you and the patient. Right. Right. And it may be that, you know, uh, just even the simple things of, bathing, dressing, caring for, you know, medications for, you know, for your, you know, for your loved one are beyond your abilities, you know, that you just physically can't uh, do it or not qualified to, uh, uh, to do it. And so that, you know, that's another consideration too. I am very grateful for the care that our dad got, uh, in the end of his life. So, I mean, this circumstance, I don't know. Right. But it's, you know, it, but it's not a simple answer. Then the, and it's, you know, uh, you know, for some people, it, it will be to keep their loved ones in their home. But in other, in other cases, it will be that you need, you need plenty of help. And, and you might find that more in a, you know, in a nursing home setting. So that's, and the truth is their world just gets very, very small at the does. end. It, it does. gets very small. 
So, you know, what looks to you like inadequate space or something is just fine for them. It's manageable for everybody involved. So I just saw that story caught my attention and several people had asked me if I'd seen the Glenn Campbell documentary, Knowing Our Family's History, and I haven't yet. But I thought I would mention that June is Alzheimer's Awareness Month and uh, there have been, there's been a lot in the press lately about Alzheimer's, which is good. People, people need to know and uh, we're here as a reference and a a resource for anyone who's going through it. All right, now on to a completely different story, um, and this is the only in L.A. story story where the archdiocese wants to sell a convent to Katy Perry. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. Explain. All right. Explain. Explain. Okay. Here's the deal. There's this beautiful convent uh, from, that belongs to the nuns of the Immaculate Heart Order. Now, it's in Los Feliz, which is sort of up uh, sort of looking over Hollywood. Uh, if you're Sounds familiar, nice. it is beautiful. If you're familiar with Los Angeles, Immaculate Heart was a big uh, school. At one point, it was a college. That's why there's a convent there. The college was sold off to be the American Film Institute. There's still a high school that exists, the Immaculate Heart High School. And then there was this beautiful convent behind it where at one point, over 50 nuns in the order lived. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, the nuns aged up and died off and the order uh, was reduced to five nuns. And about two or three years ago, the archdiocese said, okay, it's kind of um, stupid that only five nuns are living in this giant property that's worth 14 to 15 million dollars. So this is where it gets legally murky because the nuns are saying they had permission from the bishop here in Los Angeles to sell the property. It's their property. They should they should be allowed to sign it. And the archdiocese is saying, well, not really. It's our property. But I I mentioned this story just because (laughs) involves Katy Perry. And uh, Steve Lopez, who's a columnist here in the LA Times, went to talk to the nuns. Now, the youngest of the five remaining nuns is 77 years old. Okay. Okay. So what these nuns did, they're just tired of the archdiocese telling them what to do, basically. So they sold the property to a restaurateur, okay, who would like to create like a B&B boutique hotel at the convent. Sounds lovely. That does sound nice. nice. And they were very happy with their $14.5 million, all of it in cash that they got from uh, the restaurateur. That's uh, sort of, uh, that's a nice deal. Okay, good. But in the meantime, the archdiocese was working behind the scenes to sell the property to Katy Perry, who claims she's wanted to live there for years. And so when- Why is that? Does she want to be a nun now, Katie? You, you should no? see this property, Julie. You would want to live there too. I okay. mean, it okay. is beautiful. You know, one of those classic 1920s kind of Italian Mediterranean style buildings with turrets and fountains. And it's a beautiful property in a really great area in Los Angeles. So that's why she wants to live there. So here's the deal though. The archdiocese was still trying to work the Katy Perry deal. So they were trying to convince the nuns, the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart, to go with Katy Perry. And the writer, Steve Lopez, says, you know, the nuns who were 77 through 86, they were familiar with Perry Como, but not <laughs> not Katy Perry. So That's a good line. Okay. Yeah. So I can see that, that they probably are not on it. Yeah. yeah. They, so the youngest of the nuns, uh, Sister Rita Callanan, who's 77, she went to check out Katy Perry. She said she found some of her videos online. And if it's all right to say... I wasn't too happy with any of it. <laughs> and then I like that. See, this is the thing. There's an internet now. So even so the sister Rita can look that up. Okay. 
And then Sister Rita found out that Katy Perry would be performing at the Super Bowl halftime show last year. So again, she wanted to check her out. She tuned her in and she sang that song, Teenage Dream, which if you listen to the lyrics is just basically filthy. Okay. And Sister Rita did not enjoy that. And then as you remember, uh, Katy Perry was lifted off the ground and flew around on the stadium as if she were riding a shooting star. Yes. And Sister Rita said she thought watching that, is that a way to make money? Maybe I could fly around. I could be the flying nun. <laughs> okay, sassy sister Rita sassy here. Sister. Okay, okay. So, so they decided no, they don't want to sell to her. And as sister Rita said, we've given many years to this archdiocese and we have served them well. For the archdiocese to put us under a bus and run over us, well, I'm sorry. It was just too much for me. Well, good for her. Good for I, her. I really, you know, I mean, I, it, it is an unusual relationship that between between the the role of nuns, religious women in the Catholic Church, yes. right? It's it's it is not the equality has not been struck. There, no, but they play an incredibly important role, and and I, you know, I appreciate that and admire uh, Sister Rita standing up for you know for her nuns and for her property. And saying no to Katy Perry. Well, here's the deal. Then Katy Perry came to them. Now they're trying, they've already sold, the nuns have already sold it. They're trying, the archdiocese is trying to vacate the sale. The, the restaurateur has moved in. They're trying to move her out. So Katy Perry is still trying. She's not giving up. So she came. She met with the nuns. She was dressed very demurely. Okay, she sang. She didn't have any, like, sort of, like, fireworks brassiere going on or anything like that. <laughs> She was not wearing a corset. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. She sang, Oh, happy day to them. And then she showed them the Jesus tattoo on her wrist. Okay. And she said that she wanted to move in with her mother and her grandmother. And she wanted to meditate, sip tea and find herself at their beautiful convent. But you know, sister Rita, not really having it. <laughs> not really going I for it. I am sure people have... <laughs> I mean, if she's run, if she's been there, you know, she's seen, she's heard things. She has met Katy Perry in an earlier life, right? Don't you think? (laughs) Katy Perry types. I'll keep you updated on this story because it's so good. I I admire those nuns there at the Immaculate Heart. (laughs) They're very cool. They were the cool, cool nuns. Uh, All right. Now we're on to sporting notes from all over. Just a reminder, if you're listening to us on Tuesday, um, that today is the semifinal match, the U.S. Women's World Cup. U.S. plays Germany. It is on the big Fox channel. So even if you don't have um, cable, you should be able to get it. So uh, Julie, that's a thing. What do you think? I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, They, the U S has not scored a lot of goals and for whatever reason, it could be the turf, could be the heat. They haven't scored a lot of goals. On the other hand, we do have hope solo. And while I am very uncomfortable that she is on the team and the way that whole domestic violence case was handled by U.S. soccer and FIFA, I'm very uncomfortable with that. I will say this. She's the best player on the U.S. team. I mean, she's fantastic, and she's a fantastic goalie. So, you know, hopefully she will be able to shut down Germany, uh, not let them score. And if the U.S. can get a goal, we might have a shot. But Germany's a very good team. So um, is that going to be part of Nana Camp? Is that an activity this afternoon? 
No, that is not on the schedule. Again, it's TV, right? You went to camp. You missed yeah. a lot of events, right? You it's did. Only like, it's only yeah. royal weddings. That's the yeah. only time you get to watch TV at camp. No, no, we have a we have a big hiking, hiking, swimming afternoon. Going okay. Here. All right. Okay. All right. Moving on now. Wimbledon is happening. Day two of yes. Wimbledon today. Um, so I just wanted to alert people that over on the Tennis Channel, which does require cable, um, they Mary Carrillo, one of our favorite satellite sisters, who I just love. She's so relaxed and comfortable in any sports setting. And obviously she was a professional tennis player and she doesn't take sports so seriously. So we love her on the Olympics. She's doing the primetime show over there. So it was fun to see her last night. Um, But last night, I don't know if you caught the Leighton Hewitt match yesterday. Now Leighton Hewitt is the Australian. And at one point he was the Wimbledon champion, but after 17 years as a professional player, it was his last match yesterday. And he lost in a five-setter to like a journeyman Finnish player who's also been on the tour for 15 years. But here's what I loved about it. They showed, you know, the last set went to like 10-8 or 11-9 or something like that. There's no tiebreakers in the fifth set at Wimbledon. So uh, they showed a good 45 minutes of it on the recap show. You got to love the Australians, okay? (laughs) There was a group of Australians there all decked out. And, you know, matching T-shirts that said Oz Fanatics, and they sang and clapped and cheered between every point for Leighton Hewitt. It was fantastic. Yes, Leanne, they're a very enthusiastic group. They come up from down under, and they just... They just go for it, Leanne, you know, because then they have to go back, you know, yeah. so they really went wherever they travel, wherever they go. They're such wonderful people. Uh, yes, I can. I can imagine. And they timed their like singing and chanting to just that like 28 seconds in between points. So the umpire never had to ask them to be quiet. It would just be they were singing a lot of Hey Jude, but it was uh, Hey, uh, Hey uh, Hewitt. That's what they were singing. <laughs> so. It's just, but it was perfectly timed, but between every point, it just made it really fun. And so even though we lost, it was great. So well done, Australians. I hope there are some other Australian tennis players you can root for, because that was excellent. And then, Julie, this is what's happening today on the Olympic front here in California. Now, you know, maybe you don't recall, but last spring, Boston's uh, bid for the 2024 Olympic Games narrowly edged out Los Angeles's bid to be the yes. official U.S. city. Okay. okay. But in in the months since then, they have to confirm that it's that they're in the final stages. The USOC is in the final stages of that, and then they're going to put it forth to the International Olympic Committee. In the intervening months, the support uh, amongst Bostonians for being the official city has dropped dramatically. Only 39% of Bostonians want to spend the money. They don't believe that it's going to cost the amount that it says it's going to cost. They don't believe they're going to make money. They think it's just going to be this financial you know, pit that they'll never be able to dig themselves out of. And for good reason. Many of the last Olympic summer games have been, you know, a huge uh, financial downfall for countries like Greece. Yes. (laughs) Like Greece. Greece. Or Greece. And now they have, you know, billion dollar stadiums that are, are, that are empty. Okay. So, uh, you know, if Greece is a lesson, so Boston's last minute, uh, Boston's bid is in danger, but guess who's waiting in the wings, Julie? 
Los, An- Los Angeles. Oh, we are okay. ready. So, yes, we are you, ready. Uh, LA has already done an excellent, uh, uh, some excellent uh, Olympics. Right? And we made and- money, Julie. We actually made money. There are facilities all over Los Angeles that were built like the Rose Bowl Aquatic Center with money from the LA Games. We are ready. We already have the Poly Pavilion and the Coliseum. Uh, we've got plenty. We've got beaches for beach volleyball. We don't have to put fake sand anywhere. We've got it. We are good to go. We are waiting in the wings. And, you know, because we've already done it and we did a good job and we really wanted the 2024 games, we were really disappointed when Boston got the nine. We're ready. So Boston, here's what I would say. Don't feel bad. Just go back to doing what you do best, which is, I guess, like chowder festivals. Okay. And <laughs> leave, okay, Leanne. Leave the big were, games knew... to us. Okay. You run that head of the Charles. That's neat. And then we'll take the world. Okay. <laughs> Really, Don't feel Lee, bad. This really stems from the fact that you hate <laughs> fact that you hate the Red Sox, right? <laughs> that you are a Yankees fan, and and you hate the Red Sox. That's just, what this is all about. I I just you know I I was disappointed that they got to bed in the beginning, and because you know Boston is not a big city, and, and so and we are it might make it easier to get around to the venues land but uh, but okay not if the venues said. don't exist julie not if they don't exist so uh there you go boston don't worry we are here just stick stick to the chowder festivals <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm gonna hear from all the bostonians yes but they don't are. want it only 39 percent of people want the olympics we want it here we bring it on bring it I, on. I think there could be some nice uh nice events out on the cape land i i think you should reconsider it but okay <laughs> It's not me. It's the Bostonians <laughs> reconsidering. I'm just saying, we're ready. Okay, we got your back, Boston. We got your back. Um, all right, Julie, now it's exciting. It's time for our recap of um, the PBS series, Pull Dark, and we are calling it Pull Dark and Handsome. Let me get my notes together because I was just, where are my notes? <laughs> Where'd they go? I was scribbling when I was... Uh... I know, it was... Okay, it's an excellent episode. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, it's on PBS, as we said at the top of the podcast. You know, th- just jump in on this one. You won't regret it. I mean, this is... Uh, this is the. We've seen two episodes. They've been excellent. Uh, and, you know, you don't need special cable for this. You can watch it anywhere, anytime. It's not, a, you know, it's not appointment TV. Uh, and just do it. It's it's good. It's worth it. All right. So we'll just do a brief recap here of so he Poldark is uh, he is an English gentleman. He went off to fight in the American Revolution, obviously on the wrong side. He comes back to the family home in Cornwall and he discovers that the girl he left in Cornwall that he loved, Elizabeth, has gone off and is engaged to be married to his cousin, uh, you know, sort of a. a a blonde, a, wimp a wimpy, he's, he's, blonder, yeah. less than version of Ross Poldark, and that's going to break his heart. He also discovers that his father has died and left uh, him the estate, but unfortunately the estate's in a lot of debt. It's in terrible shape. There's no actual revenue producing things happening. There's just two people that seem to run the estate, which I'm calling them Mr. and Mrs. Drunkard. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a fine name. That seems to be mostly what they're doing. Doing. Okay. I mean, there's nobody's getting paid at this no. estate, Leon. It's sort of sort of like crowdsourcing or something. Just show up and drink and uh, and move some hay around. Okay, yeah. that's. 
Okay. So at the end of the first episode, we see that Paul Dark, his, his, uh, basically his uncle wants him to leave town, pays him to leave town because there's nothing for him here and wants him out of the way because he can tell that Elizabeth, the, you know, love who's marrying the cousin, she still loves him. And the uncle who's, uh, whose son is the, the wimpy cousin. He wants, uh, he wants Paul Dark out of the way for that reason. But Paul Dark decides to stay. He has the support of the people, his regiment, the men from his regiment still live on the estate in Cornwall. They love him. And miraculously, he found himself a housemaid uh, at the farmer's market there in Cornwall. She was being beaten by her family and terribly treated. So he brought her home. He washed her hair and she's a supermodel. So we're here at episode two now, Poldark, uh, and episode two is really all about getting the copper mine that's been uh, unused back into working order so that uh, they can make some money, the men of the town can be employed, the evil bankers have just shut down um, the one existing copper mine that wasn't producing enough, so Paul Dark wants to go around their back and start this other copper mine up again. It's his family copper mine. But in the beginning of this episode two, there we have uh, the supermodel, and Julie, what is she doing? Do you recall? Hello, Gabna. Yeah, recall? hello, Gabna. She's still in the filthy clothes. I know. Okay, that's like she's wearing the same filthy clothes that she wore in the last uh, uh, episode with her very bad, you know, uh, Cockney accent. accent. Hello, Gabna. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she's washing her hair. She's doing the no poo shampoo, Leanne. That's exactly okay. what I thought, Julie. But I, I, I just no poo shampoo, and it had dramatic results. They're the same that I'm seeing with my no poo shampoo, Leanne, which is I am not putting a lot of, you know, a soap in my hair. It's not stripping away the natural oils. And that's what she's doing as well. So, and she uh, washes her hair, in, you know, outside under the water well and boom, supermodel. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so a lot of this episode in the beginning, a lot happens. The copper mine plan is underway, but first, uh, Paul Dark has to go to a dance, which is always good in these kind of British drama. Thank heavens for country dances. Yeah. Yes. He was invited by uh, Verity, his cousin, with a very unfortunate nose. Wouldn't you say that? You know, she she is the Lady Edith of Paul Dark. Yes. You know? yes. I mean, right? That's it's, it, Leanne. That's it. It's the same, same character. Just like going to be unlucky in love and unlucky in life. She cannot buy a break, this Verity. I know. And so, so, uh, so they go, they go to the country dance and uh, Verity meets a sea captain. And within, I don't know, like 12 to 15 minutes, she's in love with him. Seconds. It's 12 seconds, Lena. I mean, he took one look at her and said, may I marry you? Okay. And again, because she's a good woman that make, continues to make bad choices, okay, she's interested in him. Oh, but little problem. He's a killer, Sea Captain Leon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, he killed his first wife. Okay? That is not good, Leon. In the meantime, Ross Poldark uh, has a like a hot and heavy dance with Elizabeth, who is now married to his wimpy co cousin. But apparently this dance done in slow motion attracted the attention of everybody in town. And things are whispering. Young women were trying to get Poldark's attention, but he only has eyes for Elizabeth, his cousin's wife. And I thought it was quite brazen, Leon. I have to admit, when he went over there and just said, I'm going to dance with Elizabeth. I mean, she's just, she's newly, like, married, right? I yes. Mean, 
So, I mean, and as we learn later on in the episode, newly knocked up, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes, Leanne. Yeah. Yes. Which is surprising from the wimpy husband, but nonetheless, okay. So, uh, I mean, I, it was it was brazen, and but it was an excellent dance. It was uh, it was very satisfying to watch. And then they had their the like these stolen moments to talk uh, talk together. You know, I just it was really quite a bit. There's it, a, there's still a lot of fire between the two of them. There is a lot of fire, and here's the problem though. Elizabeth's husband, we've seen earlier, he's trying to get some fire started with her too, and yes. she's almost having none of it. And I have to say, Julie, I mean, she literally made her bed. She's got to lie in it, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, yes, I, she married I, I, that guy. She yes, could have bailed, did. and she did not. Yes. She married him. So, well, her mother kind of forced her to marry him. You know, she said that she should, marry, but okay, but I, you're, you're right, Leon. She did marry him. She took him willingly. And, you know, she wanted to have the fancy lifestyle and, the, you know, and she had that. So she shouldn't be, she shouldn't be moving around the dance floor with Poldark, do you think? No. And in the meantime, okay. he's setting up the business. He's got a coalition of local business owners who are all set to go on the copper mine. They're shutting out the evil bankers uh, that we've seen. The, in the meantime, the evil banker is set on turning Poldark's cousin against Poldark. He's kind of uh, the Iago, if you will, <laughs> playing the Iago. Role. Ooh, excellent Shakespearean Thank reference. You. Firing okay. up the cousin's jealousy towards Poldark. And that that's going to really be bad in the end here of this episode. But the copper mine is going to go forward, uh, which is exciting. That's good business. But Julie, can I say a couple of things? First of all, there's uh, there's been um, some talk I mentioned last week that this Aiden Turner was Irish. He's or was American because mm-hmm. that's what I read in Entertainment Weekly. But he's not. He's Irish. Okay. Oh, oh, he, oh that makes him. Okay. Yes, I did further some further research on him. Dublin born, uh, classically trained actor, and I can see that from the way he strides around. Yes, strides around some... in his tight pants and linen shirt. Uh, he also appears to be an excellent swimmer, <laughs> as we have. Yes, Leanne, we, we, there's a, it's a good swimming scene, yes. And, yes, there's a scene where he's riding home after his hot and steamy dance with Elizabeth, and then she has to go home with her husband. He takes refuge with a prostitute at the local tavern, and then he's cleaning himself off afterwards. And um, I don't know about you, Julie, but after watching that scene, I know I had to put um, the I had to put the show on pause, and then I went to look to see if there's a Viking cruise in Cornwall. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy swimming, and that looked like some good swimming there. That's all yes, I want to say. Did. Yes, it did. And who was watching the swimming? <laughs> yes, the supermodel house girl. Demelza, yes, who, who got some kind of fashion upgrade. She got a slightly better looking outfit, you know, which made her look even more attractive. But she was sort of hiding in the in the high grass there, watching uh, Pole Dark and Handsome uh, swim around there. And he was, it was a, it was a, a brisk swim, right, Leanne? It was brisk. It was brisk for all of us. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. and then Pole Dark, uh, besides swimming, he also enjoys riding a lot. And we saw him ride on. It's my galloping horse sound effect (laughs) because he does a lot of galloping. I mean, I have a note here called The Constant Galloper. Remember that movie, The Constant Gardener? But he's like the constant galloper. Like every other scene, he's galloping across Cornwall for some reason, isn't he? Yes, Leanne, there's no reason to uh, to, to ride slowly, okay? There's no reason to it. (laughs) 
And I did read in my research that he is a writer from way back, that he loves writing, Julie, and uh, that he really enjoys that. The real Aiden Turner. Lee, is, Lee and I'm so glad you did all this extra research you. for our pole, dark, and handsome work. Thank you. Okay. So now the plot carries on. There's more meetings with the business people. But then right in the middle of it, what does Demelda, the housemaid, get, Julie? She gets a makeover. Yes, she oh, does. Oh, we love a makeover. Yes. She gets a new cape. That's exciting. Yes. <laughs> She's looking good, Leanne. She's okay. looking good. I just, that just made me laugh. Oh, every girl loves a makeover. Uh, time, since time immemorial. Um, all right. But then things start to get very serious because Verity and her sea captain in the 12 minutes that they've known each other have now decided, have now done some, uh, illicit courting and the truth has come out that the sea captain has in fact gone to jail for beating his wife to death, which is charming. Yeah. <laughs> She knows how to pick them. Yep. I know. Yeah, and I she, know. you know, he makes up some story that, oh, she slipped and fell, which is really the oldest line in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And so the uncle and the cousin come to Poldark that say, you have to support us. You have to keep them away from her. But Poldark doesn't. What did you make of that, Julie? Why did he protect them? I mean, I think, well, because he's kind of the black sheep of the family. And you have to admit, Verity has been very nice to him. And she has always been an ally to him. She has his back. I mean, she was the one that sort of warned him at the country dance that, look, Ross, you've got to lay off Elizabeth. Everybody's talking about you. I mean, she's she's really got his back. So I think he was trying to, you know, everybody deserves some happiness, Leon. That's what I think. <laughs> okay. Go with his, a killer sea captain. Okay. I think, you know. But maybe, you know, he felt like, you know, he's been wrongly accused of things. And perhaps that may be the case with the sea captain. But I I wouldn't have let the sea captain off quite as easily. But No, I mean, I guess they're making the point there are not a lot of fish in the sea for Verity. Because as no. they pointed out, she is old and she has quite a nose. I mean, like, yeah, it's, so. it's an unfortunate nose. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So uh, the, the culmination of this whole episode happens at Ross's house. Verity's there. The sea captain's there. The cousin shows up accusatorily the uncle shows up and all of a sudden the next thing we know there's a duel happening yes Liam, I mean, it's how a good duel. stupid is that <laughs> duels oh come on it was great but it was it's pretty dumb like okay i am gonna walk 10 paces and turn around and like shoot you <laughs> and, and, and like over you know, the sea captain slightly insulted the cousin who, because he was trying to show off in front of Ross and take back his manhood because he felt like Ross was, you know, uh, taking back his wife. Um, he went nuts and zero to 60. And the next thing you know, they're dueling over nothing. And here's the thing that cannot end well for Verity. She is in, she's in a no win situation. There. I know. I mean, and what was interesting to me, so of course the sea captain shoots the wimpy cousin in the neck a couple of times, and it looks like the cousin's going down, right? Yeah, right, right. And where does Verity go? Oh, over to the sea captain. I'm so sorry. I know, but I like Verity. I know, I, mean, I do. I like her. I, I, she's, she's, she's much more... 
Yeah. But she is, no, I think she's more likable than Lady Edith okay. from Downton Abbey. <laughs> uh, but I liked her. I felt, you know, just a good woman, bad choices. And now it's over. So the sea captain has to take off, Leon, because he can't be around. Because now he's shot the cousin. Right. Well, the cousin is really in trouble. He's got some serious wounds. Yeah. This is when Poldark really sort of swung into action, right? He swooped up the cousin, brought him upstairs. And because he had seen so much battle um, during, you know, and during the, the Revolutionary War, he, he knew kind of what to do. But who did he call on for his, his nurse-in-waiting, Liam? Well, I, I, first he called on Mrs. Drunkard, and she, yes. was, she was a feared of blood. And I'm a feared of blood, so I understand that. So then Demelda, is that her name, Demelda? Demelza. 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 Then Demelza shows up, and she is like Clara Barton. I mean, she... Yes. She starts ripping up, you know, linen. She starts wrapping things. She's not a fear to blood. She, she's in there like uh, a fantastic field nurse, wouldn't you say? Yes, Leanne. I thought she did a, a great job. And obviously, you, they, it was a bonding experience between her and uh, Poldark. Yes. Well, I was hoping she would rip off his linen shirt and start <laughs> using that as bandages. So I was... Sorry, that didn't happen. And and it was a bonding experience. He, he again, feels bad that he's taken her away from her abusive home and gives her the opportunity to go back. They must miss you quite a bit. But what does she say, Julie? No, she wants to stay. She belongs belongs with him. She belongs with him. She belongs with him, especially now that he's gotten her that awesome cape as part of the makeover. (laughs) So... Then, then, uh, then what happens? Then we, oh, wait, hold on. Oh yeah. There's more galloping. There's a lot more galloping. A lot more galloping. There was more galloping at the end. They gallop on over to the copper mill, uh, Demelza, Poldark and Mr. and Mrs. Drunkard and some other people all have a picnic there at the copper mine. They're going to get that thing going, Julie, and they're going to take it back to the people, right? I think so, Leanne. I'm very, I'm optimistic about that. I, I think Paul Dark had a pretty good show. I mean, he still, you know, Elizabeth is, is doesn't look like a possibility right now, but he does have the supermodel in the waiting. You know? yeah. So I think that's, that's positive. Well, yeah. At the end, Elizabeth comes in. She rushes to the scene. She's clearly, is Francis, is that the cousin's name? She clearly yeah. does love Francis, her husband. Uh, and then she springs it on Paul Dark that, Oh, she's pregnant, by the way. And that just is really the final straw for him. That's it. He's done. He's not going to be, you know, used by her again. But I suspect he will be, Julie. (laughs) I I hope he will be, Lynn. Maybe a swimming party. A swimming race. I think think they should do, yeah. And then he joins the master swim team. And that would be good. You don't want to miss this episode. If you haven't had a chance to watch, please go right ahead. If you're a swim fan, you're going to want to watch it. One thing I did say, I thought there was some good dating advice. Um, Just if you're looking to meet men, there was one scene when Poldark goes into the tavern and one of the tavern girls comes up and he, he rebuffs her. But then she tries again with a good, I thought that was a good gambit. Um, She starts to read his palm. (laughs) Which, and I thought Sheila should try that. Like when she's trying to meet men, just pretend she's a fake palm reader. That that was good. Man. All right. And then Why the, not, Leanne? And then, well try it. and then the sea captain, gentlemen, I have some dating tips for you. The sea captain managed to get um, Verity's attention by drawing riggings of his ship. I know. I know. <laughs> so fascinating. 
And Verity was into it. I she know. Really, I she know. really was. I Poor know. Verity. It's not right. going to. All right. We're going to keep our eye on her. We're going to keep her. Maybe she needs a makeover, a new cape. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> Valerie, thank you so much for suggesting Pole Dark and Handsome. Next week looks to be a good episode. Um, more of the no shampoo method uh, because Pole Dark doesn't shampoo either, clearly. <laughs> he doesn't have to, Liam. Okay. He does not have to. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're the Satellite Sisters. Thanks for uh, holding, putting uh, up with a few glitches today. We had a lot of technical problems. So if you've made it to this point in the show, it also means that I was able to do a masterful edit, editing job editing job. So let's hope that's the case. Uh, we are taking the 4th of July weekend off. Obviously, Julie has some big camp activities. That's, are you going to do capture the flag on the 4th of July? Because that's what we always did, 4th of July. Oh, oh. Okay, Leanne. Yeah. So put, put, put it on the schedule. Okay. Yeah, capture the flag. Uh, and then, but I am going to be posting an interview with uh, writer Daniel Silva. So that will be up. He's a huge international bestseller. He writes thrillers and his latest book is The English Spy. So look for that this weekend. All right, Jewel, uh, have a great day. You too, Leanne. Talk to you soon. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. Mm-hmm.